you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hi, and welcome to the official Good Morning Football podcast. I'm Will Selvin. Here are the best moments from this week so far at the breakfast table. Week 11 had us wanting more. From a record-setting Monday night matchup to a last-second comeback out of the Steelers. Now, we're always here to learn new things each week, and Week 11 was no different. Here's what the breakfast table learned from the action in Week 11. When I was a kid and you would watch wrestling, there was always this great moment of anticipation when the finishing move was coming. And it was Ravishing Rick Rude at the Rude Awakening or the Ultimate Warrior at the Gorilla Press and Hulkster with the Big Leg. The best finishing move in the game is Khalil Mack. And boy, do we see it against the Vikings. Riley Reef is 6'6", 313 and is off his feet. Mack has this thing going where he thinks you're going with the outside rush, and as soon as the big man starts going, he uses all your momentum against you. It is so unbelievably strong. Now, remember, Mack is only 252. He's giving up about 70 pounds to Riley Reef. And you think, is this the first time he just come up with this? No, 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 no. I have to credit Tom Lee from Deadspin, who did a long backtrack. If we go back to week seven of 2017... Look what he does to Eric Fisher. It's the same move with the left hand drops him. Eric Fisher coming in about 320. Hmm. Let's go back even farther. Week 6, 2016. Eric Fisher knows this. Again, Eric Eric Fisher, again with the left hand, and he's thrown completely out of it. It's this sentiment that Khalil Mack is almost too strong. Now, Eric Fisher is a number one overall pick. A very good tackle. A great tackle. Riley Reef, a linchpin left tackle for the Vikings. And Khalil Mack is physically, literally throwing them off of their feet. It is right now, since Peanut Tillman retired and gave us the peanut punch, it is the best finishing move in the game. But I'm going to put Khalil Mack taking three-and-a-quarter-pound men and throwing them off their feet in the throws of third down, the most powerful, punishing, finishing move in all of football. And I happen to think it could be the Valerian Steel equivalent of football and that it could slay the Saints, okay. slay the Rams, slay whoever you put in front of them. The Bears are the snake in the grass, and Ooh. that move where here I'm going outside, no, I'm not, fat guy, is the move that is going to end the Saints. Fat That's guy. the one best finishing move in football. Unstoppable force and movable object. We'll see how it shakes out. They've got to get there first. We did that MVP debate. Yeah. Defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald or, Khal- or Khalil Mack? Have at it, Kyle. You know, Mack was off a couple weeks. He went away for a little while. They got him right. I'm still get- I'm going to say it's Mack. I'm going to say it's Mack. 14 and a half sacks at his position. Come on. The numbers bear out great. Mack has less because he's been out. I just think there's more talent around Donald in terms of most valuable. And that's a good at the Bears defense. I think when Mack comes on that pass rush, you can cancel Christmas. And Mack sees a ton of double teams. Defensive player of the year. It's either way, him. either way, I'm going to go Mack. Mack sees a ton of double teams. Keep in mind, there's running backs trying to chip him every single play. Kicking struggles are real. We've seen teams combine for nine missed field goals and extra points within the final two minutes of games. What I learned this week is that no matter how bad it gets, though, you can always bounce back. That's all that matters. I was watching Rocky last week. Yeah. Rocky famously said, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and... 
keep moving forward. That's right. Rocky, <laughs> I believe, was talking to Bears kicker Cody Parkey. Let me take you guys back to week 10. It was crazy. The Bears might have gotten the win. Parkey took the L in this one, though. It was amazing. He missed two extra points. But what's even worse, what I'm saying is amazing, is that his four missed field goals on top of that, every single one of them hit the uprights. That is hard to do. Every single one. Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show used it as a joke <laughs> in his monologue. Unbelievable. He called it downright impressive it because it does not happen. Barky said after the game that I don't think I've hit the post four times in my whole life and I've been <laughs> kicking for about 15 years. So it is almost comical. All week long, as you can imagine, the pressure building. They've got the Vikings, a huge game. I'm calling it the defining game. I'm moving in with the boyfriend if they win this game. That's on his shoulders. And there were reports that he left the practice facility, which is near Lake Forest. Yeah. How long does it take to get down to Soldier Field in a weekday? At 40 minutes, 45, probably 40, longer. Maybe a little bit longer. It's about an hour drive down there to practice. He wanted to go out there and kick field goals, sort of get out of his own head. Mm. I guess the stadium lights came on. News choppers, yeah. of course. News choppers. This. Yes, yeah. they're coming and they're like, what's going on here? They're looking at it. So can you imagine standing there kicking while there's just choppers crazy. over your head? It's yes. paparazzi. Yeah, like Jennifer about. Anderson's wedding. But he got his work in <laughs> somehow unfazed. Fast forward to Sunday night, bright lights, Alan Chris, all the pressure in the world. What does he do? He went three of three. Hit the field goals. He helps the Bears clinch the game over their division rival. And you got to love Nagy here. He could have gone for it. It was fourth and yeah. four. He puts all the trust in the world in his guy. And we all know here at the breakfast table what happens when the Bears get a win. Oh, club dub. Now, Sean Payton, he's a lot of things. Uh, he's a celebrator. You guys remember the broom after mm -hmm. sweeping the Panthers. Oh, yeah. Of course, we know that one last year. He's also a taunter. I mean, who could forget the ill-timed skull clap during last year's divisional game right before the Minneapolis miracle happened. He's relentless. We know that. Listen, he went for it on fourth and seven of 31 <laughs> points on the Eagles. They go Kamara right up top. Touchdown. Fourth and seven. Foot on your throat and let me shove it down more. But there's more to the story of Sean Payton. Now, here's the thing. When I'm not on TV... I'm a full-time sports dad. I see how losing and winning is taught to our youth. And nowadays, if you lose, there's a participation award. And if you're winning a game, the unwritten rule is do not run up the score. Well, in the NFL, there's no damn participation award. <laughs> and Sean Payton knows better than most coaches how the game can change in an instant. Remember, he got crushed by the Bears in 2006 NFC Championship game. You remember Beastquake, right? We all remember that one. Sure. He got shredded by Alex Smith, 2011 playoffs. And, of course, Stephon Diggs in that Minneapolis big play down there in Minnesota. Now, listen, you know what heartbreaking losses do to a head coach? It creates a calloused heart, <laughs> making him like Machiavelli, John Wick, you know, for all you comic book lovers, sure. Thanos. Machiavelli and John right. Wick. So the next time that you want to call him a cutthroat coach, just keep in mind, there's a method to his madness. So what I've learned is there's a big difference between having an average season and having a savage season. <laughs> so for all y'all that look at Sean Payton and say, ah, you know, that's not for me. It's not my taste. You better enjoy it because that's the way the game is going. I love it.
the Redskins, 6-4, and four, and atop the NFC East with a tiebreaker over the Dallas Cowboys from their Week 7 20-17 victory in FedEx Field. And yet, I can't find anyone in America. I can't find anyone else at this table. I can't find anyone willing to say that they are still the favorites in the NFC East. And I get it. A quarterback that you're paying $111 million goes down, and it's easy to run far, far, far away from that team. But if I have learned anything, and not just this week, but in years covering the NFL, it is that you never count out a backup quarterback that the locker room believes in. And if you need proof, how soon do we forget? Carson Wentz last year was an MVP candidate. He went down in week 14 in the midst of a season that was twice as impressive as what Alex Smith was having in Washington. And yet, everyone fleed from the Eagles bandwagon like rats scurrying out of a Philly Metro Station subway car. Nick Foles not only had the faith of his coach last season when Wentz went down, but he had the faith of his teammates. And a few regular season victories led to even more faith from the city. Foles, who had no better an NFL career and was making far less money then Colt McCoy is right now, led the Eagles past the Giants, past the Raiders, past the Falcons, past the Vikings, and eventually past Tom Brady and the Patriots. Nick Foles was not enough for you? Okay. I mentioned the Vikings in there. They were a middling 3-2 and two team when Sam Bradford was ruled out for at least the following few months. And who comes in? So Case true. freaking Keenum. A lifetime backup and the definition of a NFL journeyman. He came in, he threw that team on his back and won 11 of 13 games, including a playoff victory in which he completed arguably the most memorable moment in Minnesota sports history. <laughs> Keenum started camp having never met his head coach, never met the offensive coordinator, having never met most of his teammates, and yet they rallied around him and the Vikings found themselves one game away from a Super Bowl. Tom Brady did it in New England. Jeff Hosteller yes. did it with the Giants. Even Doug Williams did it with this very franchise in that very city. Backups do come in, and with the support of their locker room, they can take teams to the promised land. I'm not here to say that Colt McCoy will outthrow Aaron Rodgers or will outsmart Drew Brees or outrun Cam Newton. And I know Colt McCoy is not the two quarterbacks we saw on Monday Night Football, Mahomes or Goff. But the Redskins have kept Colt McCoy on the roster for five years now. Mm. They are paying him $3 million this season, mm. and they opted to re-sign him this offseason to an extension when they very easily could have moved on for a cheaper, younger option. I talked to coaches around the league. Sean McVay thinks the world of this guy. He was with him in Washington. Kyle Shanahan thinks the world of this guy. He was with him in Washington. And I know Jay Gruden does too. But most importantly, if you read the quotes and you read the headlines this week out of Washington, the locker room believes in Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy may not be the best quarterback in the NFL, but guys with a far lot less working in their favor Ooh. and a far lot less experience with that team – have done even more. So I learned this week that even though we've learned time and time again to not count out a beloved backup, we seem to do it every single year. Colt McCoy, I've got your back. Go shock the world, even if it shouldn't be so shocking at all. Let's hey. go, Colt! Well, the league is full of personalities who don't usually get the love they deserve. And that's where Good Morning Football comes in. Let's find out the stories we should have been paying attention to with this week's underappreciated storylines. So, um, what? why is being short such a bad thing? You know, Preach! Think about it. I got you, Kay. Now, even the connotation behind the word always has, like, a negative spin on it. Like, when your team is losing the game, what do we always say? Ah, they came up a little short. 
Or how about a woman describing her man with flaws? You know, she says, you know, I, I love him despite his shortcomings. Enough is enough. Preach. Let's talk about some short guys that the NFL has seen that dominated. How about Doug Flutie at 5'10"? This is a quarterback, remember? He's a, a pro bowler, comeback player. He is a legend. I love said it best. Who doesn't? A collegiate legend. CFL legend, NFL legend, who doesn't love Doug Flutie? Jump pass. Jump passing. What about drop kicks? Dante Hall, 5'8". <laughs> yeah. The original throw up the X, Mr. Joystick. <laughs> all right, all pro. Led the league in all-purpose yards in 2003 and in 2004. 12 career return touchdowns. Some of the greatest return highlights we have ever seen. Yeah. How about MJD? Mm. One of my favorite guys on and off the field. MJD stands at a 5'8". Absolute bowling ball. Pro bowler. Led the league with over 1,600 rushing yards in 2011. Y'all remember that hit he put on Sean Merriman? Hell yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, we Those do. Those lights went out, Nate. Of course. So these are guys <laughs> in the past that I remember. Shout out to MJD, brother. I love you. How about this year? Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has over 1,100 receiving yards for the second consecutive season. 15 career touchdowns of 50-plus yards. That's second most NFL history for a guy under 25. Just remember how young he is. Absolute monster. This pass game, 10 catches, 215, two TDs. My man stands at 5'10". I think I'm Ooh. being generous on that. Mm. Here's the thing. Back in 95, there was a single. Oh, no. It was yeah. called, don't want no short, short man. Mm. Gillette! Wow. Gillette! And the whole world had a good giggle at the expense of the little guy, right? Itsy, bitsy, teeny. Right? We remember that song. Next time you hear somebody that's telling a short crazy. joke about a short yeah. guy and say, you know, I, I met a couple really short people today. <laughs> they really down earth. Hey, don't chuckle at that. Because guess who's laughing now? One of the shortest guys in the NFL. Also the fastest guy in the NFL. You know what? I believe he's the hardest guy to stop in Tyreek Hill. So, yeah, with Thanksgiving tomorrow, Tyreek Hill. I appreciate everything you bring to the table. After what I saw on Monday night, I was truly, it was like an awakening of how stunned I sincerely am at the turnaround of this team and how they've done it in a relatively short period of time. When I think of the Rams, I used to live in St. Louis. I used to watch this guy when I lived there, Steven Jackson. I am so impressed and truly stunned by the differences between that team, which doesn't really feel like that long ago, and what's going on right now. If you look at this year's version up to 2012 or so, there were zero Pro Bowlers on that roster when I worked there. It was, they were never bad enough to get a great draft pick. It was awful. There were seven. They had seven Pro Bowlers last year in 2017. They went from the number 25 ranked offense to the second best in the league. One primetime game back then. This year, five. That's like going from a hot dog cart you know, situation to eating a New York strip steak. That is exactly what that is. When I worked there, guys, it was I remember one day specifically, unbelievable, like shut the, shut the world down that the Kings of Leon mm -hmm. were on the sidelines. Like okay. watching as fans. They were there, but they weren't there as fans. They were friends with Sam Bradford. So it wasn't even like they were there because they were Rams. Everyone's freaking out now. Now you turn on the TV or you look at the check down and see the highlights. Money Mayweather, you've got Snoop, you've got Jay-Z just sort of hanging out on the sidelines. The L.A. Coliseum, they can, they can have 10,000 more fans than the Edward Jones, Jones Dome ever could, and the Edward Jones Dome was never nearly 
Cool. My sister-in-law, who I lived with in St. Louis at that time, struggled. She was working in the ticket office, trying to sell tickets, trying to give some tickets away. It's just the truth of what it is. So, man, Kevin Demoff and Les and all of these guys in the front office, Tony, all these guys that sort of grew up with this team and I've seen them go out to L.A., it's taken me a little bit longer mm-hmm. to sort of be on board because it was so many, 14 years without a winning season. And I came in right at the end of that when the world sort of, I know that and I'm not dissing St. Louis fans who love their team, yeah, super hardcore, love their Rams. super yeah. upset that they left. I understand all of that. But what this team is doing now stands for so much more than just the Rams. It truly, to me, is, it sounds corny, a beacon of hope for all teams. I'm a Bears fan. They went through their dark times. You have teams like the Browns going through it right now. You've got teams in our backyard going through it, two of them right now. There are dark times, It is, but it's so possible, and that's why I love football, because I saw it. With the Rams, I hopefully I'm witnessing it right now with the Bears. It's really the reason why I love this game because there's always a change-up. So dark times will end. They had a six-day period where they had to get fans to know that they're not going to Mexico. 77,000 fans showed up Crazy. on six days' notice. No kidding. Five o'clock Pacific time in rush hour to be there for that Monday night game. And, Kay, you're right. It crystallized a lot of things for a lot of people who spent some dark years in St. Louis. Um, what else is incredible right now? The Indianapolis Colts are completely on fire. And the person who's been there for so long that we all love and respect is Adam Vinatieri. And if you ask me, we have now added another frozen moment in his legendary career. And it's my favorite moment because we've seen this guy for a long time. We can go back January 2002 in the snow against the Raiders. Tuck rule game. They're kicking off the snow. And it's, Bra- it's Brady getting hit. And then Vinatieri, come, of course, comes on after the Woodson recovery, non-recovery. What's up, Greg Beaker? This is all Adam Vinatieri at the end of the game. They were actually kicking it off. So... Why we sent up all this moment? Well, because we know next then, after getting a Super Bowl that year, he went and had another huge kick against Carolina. Another classic moment. Another classic moment to beat the Panthers in the Super Bowl. It was Vinatieri just coming up automatic. Now, up until today, or really yesterday, my favorite Adam Vinatieri moment goes all the way back to 1996 when he was on kickoff coverage and maybe the greatest athlete to ever live. Herschel Walker broke one of the returns. The old blue uniforms. I remember this. Herschel's gone, right? Herschel's old USFL Herschel, SEC Herschel, put on this planet to play football, and he's going to break one here, and he's gone. Unless an undrafted kicker says, not on my watch, my friend, and runs down Herschel. It's crazy. Prompting Bill Parcells, the head coach, to say, that's not a kicker. That's a football player. Yeah. And until yesterday, this was my favorite. You want to see what my favorite moment is now? Roll the moment, please, if you would, from the 2018 oh Indianapolis gosh. Colts and Adam Vinatieri in the locker room. Guys, that's not a kicker. That's a dancer. I love this <laughs> so much because Adam Vinatieri in his mid-40s is doing the dancing to Mo Bamba. I don't think Adam Vinatieri knows what Mo Bamba is. Kyle, I, do you know who Mo Bamba is? Of course. Mo Bamba is they take La Bamba and they do it Motown style. No, Mo Bamba. No, that's not it. Adam Vinatieri no. has played with, with – like, he's played with one of the guys he's dancing with there. Anthony Walker was born in 1995. 95. Vinatieri played with a guy named William Roberts, a Patriots guard, who was born in 1962. <laughs> 62 to 95. And let me just tell you, as I get a little older, and I've got the salt and pepper in my side, yeah. just like Vinatieri is, there is nothing cooler than just doing what you do and not caring what anybody thinks. You don't give a damn how it looks on Instagram. You don't care. If you look kind of stupid, Adam Vinatieri can say, I know I look silly in this dance. I'm the all-time leading scorer in the NFL. Who the hell are you? I'm going to the Hall of Fame. I'm going to do the stupid dance. Can we see the dance again, by the way? Because I just want to take it through. This ain't the first dance Adam Vinatieri has done. He's like, 2018, (laughs) you don't think I can do the Mobamba? 
1996, I was doing the Macarena with Dave Meggett. In 2000, <laughs> I was doing a Sea Walk with Greg Spires. In 06, I'm twerking with Cato June. I'll give you some 08 stanky leg with Dwight Freeney. Oh in 2012, God. I don't mind a Gangnam Style with Kobe Fleener. And in 2015, I'll do the Nene with Robert Mathis. Look me up. I'll do every dance. And guys, as we know... Out of Vinatieri is not afraid to come out of nowhere and just pop in with the kids, do whatever it is that they're doing, just to have some little fun. Even if it's a kid that we know, right. that we work with. Yeah. There he is. In oh. fact, Schrager. Yeah! Oh, that was last year. Vinatieri is so secure, so comfortable, <laughs> such a made guy. He will do any dance, crash any interview whatsoever. And any dad out there who's not as cool as they used to be, like me, respects the hell out of the way he did that dance. And he'll be dancing all season long. Adam Vinatieri, I love you, man. I've loved you now more than I did ever as a Patriot. Wow. But old Adam Vinatieri is my guy. Kinship. They are, they are red hot, and he might have to make a big kick again at this age to put his team into the playoffs. You imagine? He's going to do imagine? it again. The, the book is not closed on his play. He's going to hit that kick, and he's going to hit the Mo Bamba dance or whatever <laughs> the hell it is. Who cares how he looks? We live in a media world, and sometimes we we fall guilty of throwing words around frivolously, but legend though. When mm-hmm. you use the word legend, like he is a living legend in football. So yeah, that's well done, man. Shout out. Love that, man. Vinatieri. Monday night's game was so wild that I feel like yesterday's show was almost like a hangover. Mm-hmm. We just were like in awe and yeah. reveling. And then it takes another day, another 24 hours before we can kind of peel the onion and really analyze it. Yesterday was more just wow. Emotional reaction. Whoa, emotional. Yeah. Today, I'm looking at some of the different nuances and some of the different things that made that game what it was. And I want to go and look at some of the players that made big contributions. Because in 2016, the the Los Angeles Rams made a big trade. They traded up and they went and got Jared Goff. And they gave up a bunch of future first-round picks, a bunch of future first-round selections. And there was a lot of people wondering whether that was the right decision. Do you really trade that much for Jared Goff? And Jared Goff has been excellent. But I want to look at the rest of the guys from the next year's draft class. If you guys don't know about Gerald Everett, he was out of South Alabama. He was a second-round pick. He had three catches, 49 yards, and two touchdowns on Monday night, making the biggest play of the game, the streak down the end zone. How about John Johnson, a third-round pick of that year, who, oh, didn't just play. He had 11 tackles and led the Rams in tackles in the biggest game of the season, including this goal-line stand Mm. where he came and stopped Kareem Hunt on the pitch. How about Josh Reynolds? We hear so much about Cooper Cup being out. Who's going to step up? Who's going to step up? Josh Reynolds has been everything Cooper Cup was and more. And that's nothing against Cooper Cup, but Josh Reynolds in classic next-man-up fashion has been awesome. And lastly, guys, how about their fourth-round pick from that draft? A certain guy named Samson Ebukam. Here we go. Samson Ebukam was the man on Monday night. All in the same draft class. This guy was a fourth-round pick out of Eastern Washington. Three tackles, a 25-yard interception return for a touchdown, and was the guy on the front page of the LA Times 50 looks good on you. Samson Ebukam had a national coming out party and I say all these names and Mm. I show this draft class because like I mentioned earlier the Saints had a draft last year that got them Lattimore and Kamara and Ramchek and Marcus Williams and we we went nuts on the Saints draft but those guys this draft class is so important for the Rams because they couldn't miss. 
They couldn't miss. If you missed on these draft picks, the Rams are a bunch of flashy names. They're Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sue and Michael Brockers. Marcus Peters. Marcus and Peters. Lee, and mm-hmm. those aren't the guys that win Super Bowls. The guys that win Super Bowls for teams Foundation. are Corey Clement and Trey Burton mm-hmm. and, and the Ronald Darby's, the type of right. guys. David Tyree. That, the David Tyrese. <laughs> we could talk about James White and Deion Lewis yeah. all we want. It is the Samson Ebukams, and it is the John Johnsons, and in this case, it's the Gerald Everts and the Josh Reynolds, and none of them being first-round picks, but all being from the same draft class. The 2017 Rams draft class, something that no one did even mention last year, and up until last week probably has been looked at with kind of a side-eye. Mm-hmm. Les Snead, Sean McVay, the so entire cool. Rams front office, those are the guys that are going to win you a Super Bowl, and those were the guys that made sure the Rams won on Monday night. Can't get enough of Adam Vinatieri dancing. Well, that'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in to the Good Morning Football Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on all our channels and come back tomorrow for some more fun. So from all of us here at GMFB, have a good morning and a great day. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.